Great. So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson. And today I'm delighted to be joined by author and CEO of Hoxby, Lizzie Penny. How are you doing, Lizzie? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. It's a pleasure. And let's start by hearing a little bit about your background. But of course, the new book that's coming out as well. Really excited to hear more about this. Yes. So um, a bit about my background and how I got to the point of writing a book. Um, so um, I had my first child in 2014, and I'm embarrassed to say that it was only then that that really opened my eyes to the pervasive inequalities in the workforce. And uh, over, a, over a drink in the pub in London, uh, my now business partner and I were lamenting the outdated structures of work, um, and we came up with the concept of work style, hence mm. the W. Um, and work style is essentially the freedom to choose when and where you work. And so we started Hoxby, which is a social, social enterprise and a B Corp, um, with the concept of just testing as a prototype how that might work through a freelance community. Mm. Uh, and we've got 500 freelancers and we work with big businesses and small businesses, mostly impact led, Unilever, Divine. B-Labs. Um, and so we were doing all that, um, enjoying running our prototype. And then the year before last, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, which of course makes you reevaluate everything in life um, and consider what you haven't done that you might want to do. And um, I think I felt, um, along with Alex, that the time was right to put down in a book about the grand work style experiment um, and to explain the research we've been doing and why we think it's better for well-being, productivity, and society, mm. um, and also to share some of the work style stories that have really inspired us along yeah. this journey. Absolutely. So, work style. What, what what is it? Is this lifestyle for work, or what? What, what are the what are the bits and pieces that make this up? It's a great question, Glenn. And so, the word itself is a word we invented, um, and it is based around lifestyle, which is that if you get to choose how you live your life, you should also get to choose how you work. Mm. So that's where the word work style came from. Um, it essentially puts autonomy and individuality at the heart of a new way of working. Right. Um, and there are various catalysts that mean that now is the time for this. Mm. So technology has moved on. We have a, a global aging population, um, which is causing problems essentially with our workforce at a global level and also people are having more of an independent approach to work which of course is is what this podcast is all about yes um and so we felt the time was right to give people the true freedom to choose when and where they work complete autonomy in terms of how they work and bear in mind this is something we were doing seven eight years ago so this was right. pre-pandemic at the time we were preaching to people that this was the way to work and people didn't didn't necessarily believe us and then the pandemic happened and everyone was <laughs> like oh you can work from anywhere um so that's yeah. that's really where it came from and essentially the book summarizes how we came up with the concept of work style why it's important but it also looks at why work style is better for individual well-being how it can step change productivity for us as individuals but also for organizations and also the extreme benefits it can have for society in terms of diversity and right. inclusion. And this is, I think, a key thing as well. It's the individuals themselves, but also organisations that need to be more diverse. And, you know, if we're missing out on huge swathes of the population because they don't fit into the nine to five model, then everyone loses from this as well. So it's self-interest from the, uh, the corporate world as well, I guess, Lizzie. 
precisely that. It's, it's exactly that, Glenn. And I think that people think, oh, you know, this is this is about individuals and this isn't really relevant to businesses. This is completely relevant to businesses. We've got an aging population. We've got examples of huge businesses that simply can't resource their needs because they're not open-minded enough about the structure in which they resource them. Uh, we've got, in the UK, certainly, we've got areas um, in crisis like midwifery where, mm. where there simply aren't the number of midwives that we need because we're not visionary enough in terms of the way we're looking. But I think there's also a bigger element to consider which is collective intelligence and how bringing diverse groups together actually produces better outcomes every time Mm. Um, and so there's an important element which is simply creating diversity in work is also really important for for business and organizational success yeah absolutely absolutely and I think you know not before time and I think you know, the, the people, as you say yourself there, Lizzie, people's eyes have been open to the, the power of technology and how it can be a force for good and actually facilitate a lot of these things we're talking about. It's not an either or, um, but the mindset is still that job is a place you go to five days oh. a week for X number of hours, as opposed to something that delivers value and, and, and delivers results. Exactly. Like work is what you do. Work is not mm. where you go, you know. Yeah. And in fact, if you consider work to be where you go, that's inherently unproductive because you're basically <laughs> assuming it's presenteeism, right? You're assuming if yes. I, I'm sitting at my desk, therefore yeah. I'm working, which just isn't true. And, you know, I, I've i worked from home for a long time. I I needed to isolate through my cancer journey. Right. Um, but work yes. played a very positive role in my life at that point. You know, it was a good distraction. I worked as, as much as I felt I could. I wasn't yeah. judged on my circumstances. So I think I have personal experience of why that can be so important but Mm. I think it's it's a complete mindset shift and when you look at organizations but also the political view mostly I think what's interesting is the disconnect between individuals who actually were really enlightened during the pandemic as to being able to and I know you've talked about this on the podcast before in terms Mm. of the change in mindset of individuals to go from being kind of wanting to work from home 10% of their time to wanting to work from home 60% of their time. Um, So it feels like what's happened is individuals have had their minds opened up to being able to work when and where they choose and be judged on their output. But companies are now starting to say, hey, let's all get back to the office. And there's a big disconnect Mm. there. And and that's a problem. It's going to be a problem for retention uh, and for motivation. But I think Mm. it's the same at a political level. So I think what politicians are doing is still looking at flexible working. Now, flexible working has been around for 70 years. That's a long time. And we still have untenable gaps in the workforce Mm. in in areas like autism, where 77% of people with autism want to work, but only 32% do. Or carers, where 61% of carers don't do paid work, but 50% of them would like to. So those Mm. are big gaps. That's a 45% and more than a 30% gap in those two areas that flexible working just isn't closing. And it doesn't feel like in the current environment, flexible working is enough. There's there's scope to do something really radically different now. Technology has moved on to a point where we can just completely change the way we work. And yet I think politicians and companies are still saying, well, you can work from home on a Friday. It just doesn't feel enough. <laughs> yeah, I think we're still in that kind of place. And it's, it also feels a bit, Liz, I don't know what you, your, your views are on this. I'd like to hear it. But kind of that the, the window of opportunity that was opened by the pandemic, and of course, not, not making light of that, some very serious things, but 
always someone who looks for the positive and every negative that, you know, this people's eyes have been opened. But do we see that kind of the window of opportunity is closing if we don't sort of strike while the iron's hot and the, 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 the possibilities are actually top of mind for people that we're, this could close and we could use it and we kind of go back to the way things were before and, and no one's happy and we, we miss out on all these opportunities? I mean, that's our big fear. Alex mm. and I, Alex, my co-author and co-founder of Poxby and I were have been campaigning for this for years. And it yeah. felt like the floodgates had opened. And then the last year or so, we've we've been really concerned because mm. we thought we'd moved from a world of presence to a world of trust, from yeah. a world of synchronous to asynchronous, from contracted hours to contracted outputs. And we're mm. starting to see that kind of closing back in. And it feels like that is a real backward step. But equally, yeah. there is, I think, that will not be enough. I just don't think that companies will be able to do that. I mm. think things like the aging population, you know, 21% of the worldwide population will be over 60 by 2050. Mm. So we are simply going to have to change the way that we work in the future. We had just hoped that the silver lining of um, the horrendous pandemic was yeah. that it had accelerated that change. And I think we're now seeing it slip back a bit. So we are hoping to lead that conversation to try and get people to recognize that this can be done, but that it involves a change of mindset. Yeah. And where are the biggest barriers that you're finding? Is it the political level? Is it the HR departments who just don't want to lose power over this, the, over the kind of the personnel function? Or where are the big, biggest blockages that, you, that, that you're seeing and through the research for the book? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think one of the one of the key challenges is actually flexible and hybrid working, mm. which is strange. And the four day work week, for instance, which is ways of working that seem progressive, that give organizations uh, and politicians a way to feel like they're taking the box when we feel like that is not enough. Um Essentially, those ways of working are still based on an industrial age system that's 200 years old. It's flexing yeah. around the nine to five system. Yeah. And, and that is not creating change fast enough. And so I think the biggest barrier is for the organizations that feel progressive, but think that they are doing that through flexible hybrid or four day work week, when mm. actually what that is doing is just creating a new version of a fixed system that doesn't recognize that we all have individual needs, but we also have individual ways of working that make us productive. And I think what's interesting is that in the book, we talk a lot about research and we talk about autonomy as the closest proxy for work style in the research. Autonomy is widely proved to improve productivity on many, many fronts. Um, but our research is the first time, and we have a longitudinal study that um, we survey all our Hoxbees every year so that we can um, check robust trends over time. And for the first time, what we found is that well-being is a moderating factor for the relationship between autonomy and productivity. And what we mean by that is that for Hawk speeds in our in our case who feel more autonomous they are happier and therefore because of their happiness they are more productive yeah. and I think that's that's really interesting because I think there's also an element of well-being being seen as a nice to have something the HR department take care of whereas what we're saying is that well-being is integral to productivity oh, yeah. and absolutely you know Robert Solo famously said that you you see technology 
technological advances everywhere but but the productivity statistics and i think we feel that that's the thing that can unlock productivity mm. is if autonomy and well-being um can be truly integrated into work in order mm. to unlock pro- productivity well i think to training people like adults as well and i mean the statistics clearly show that people who have more autonomy uh, uh, and have this flexibility that they're craving actually work more hours they actually deliver more in terms of the value in terms of the products or the services that they're involved in so it seems to be an absolute uh, n- no-brainer but sort of getting people to understand what's actually happening there's, a, there's obviously a blockage mentally for, a, for, for, for far too many people still Lizzie there is. And I think, you know, that's what the book is trying to do. You know, mm. we don't have enough time to tell everyone individually, uh, not within our own work style anyway, to tell everyone individually all the many, many benefits and the reasons that this works. And so we thought if we put it in a book, then maybe people can read it and understand the benefits. But yes, absolutely. There are so many advantages to working this way. And really, there aren't disadvantages. The only disadvantages are the need to empower ourselves which anyway we should be doing, understand our own boundaries, understand how we want to work, what we want to do and when we're at our most productive. Mm. And I think this is something that, you know, individuals themselves need to actually take a, uh, take a hold of what, what, what do we want to do? What do we want to get out of our work? What, what do we want to prioritize? What's the, what are we going to dedicate our time to? So it does actually sort of demand a little bit of, uh, self-awareness but also a little bit of time energy and thought that you know you can't just drift you actually have to have a plan you need to be a little bit more responsible for well this kind of training or what kind of skills do I need to take on board how am I going to get there how am I going to learn them so it's kind of it's uh self-starters uh will probably be better suited to this but it's something that everyone needs to be able to take on board I think that's absolutely absolutely true and I think that the thing about freelancers is that and the thing that we found for work style to work is that the autonomy doesn't work if it doesn't go hand in glove with accountability those two things need to go together and freelancers by their nature understand that you can't Mm. survive as a freelancer without having accountability for what you deliver um and and i think there is a freelance element of this we really believe in the freelance economy the freelance economy underpins this whole way of working and the reason for that is because individuals need to have the true autonomy to set project and respect their own work style yeah and we have we have other bigger problems around the freelance Um, economy in terms of them being seen as a contingent workforce rather than an integral part of the workforce and also them rarely being considered as as a whole and instead being considered as just individuals whereas when you take them together they're actually a really important and and huge part of the global economy yeah absolutely and I think this is more and more big organizations already are are relying on sort of the uh, the on-demand talent but they don't want to put their heads above the parapet and say, well, we're doing it. It's kind of been going on uh, increasingly for, for, for quite a period of time. It's just sort of uh, recognising this and, and being able to have a few cheerleaders to, to, to exemplify what's actually going on because it's, it's something that's, uh, that's expanding. The genie's out of the bottle and it's, it, it's certainly not going back in anytime soon. I think, though, it, it, we have a reputational, you know, responsibility, which, you know, you and I are obviously working to change, which is to make sure that people understand that this is not just a contingent workforce or people who can't work in jobs. This is a strategically really important part. And and in terms of 
that strategy. It's not just important for productivity and for organizations. It's really important for society. We can yeah. fundamentally change inclusion by working this way. And, you know, there's research that Professor Andrew Burke, who's the Dean of Trinity Business School in Dublin, found um, that the earnings difference between men and women is 72% less for freelancers than right. it is in an employee-based workforce. So mm. structurally, it automatically improves inclusion and diversity and equality within the workforce. So, you know, there are loads of benefits. You can tell it's my favorite subject. <laughs> Absolutely. And so what are the things that the, the, the politicians and decision makers need to take on board, would you say, Lizzie? What are the things they need to be sort of mainly aware of to get them interested and to do something about the framework uh, that allow this work style to flourish uh, today, but also well into the future as well? I mean, I think the biggest change is a mindset change, which mm. is that we need to move out of the mindset of evolutionary change and adopt revolutionary change. Workstart is revolutionary, whereas flexible working, hybrid, four-day work week, that is evolutionary. We're simply evolving industrial age thinking um, from 200 years ago. And I think that mindset shift is, is the biggest biggest challenge that we need to find ways to overcome. Mm, to get that on board and realize what the the benefits are and i think that you know that we've kind of had a lot of this sort of negativity which has been pushed through the media as well as through certain politicians that uh, you know this is the end of society it's people in precarious situations earning no money with no social safety net which of course we're seeing um on, on a daily basis this is not the case people are empowered and actually gaining from this as opposed to the opposite yeah, and um, another part of Professor Andrew Burt's research looks at the gig economy versus the project economy and how yeah. the role that innovation and diverse thinking plays in organisations. And therefore, actually, that freelance workforce is a, an incredibly valuable asset to any organisation of, of any size. So I think there's also a lot of complexity to it, whereas at the moment, people don't understand that level of complexity. Mm, yeah, well, it should be. Uh, again, it should be sort of self-obvious, self, self the fact that, you know, if I've got sort of a, an IT or a banking specialist who's worked for a few of the competitors, knows what they're doing through projects, I can actually bring in that knowledge and expertise and gain from it as opposed to employing someone and uh, uh, for, for, for 20 years on a, on a, on a traditional contact, contract and hopefully I can find use for them. Uh, at certain times of their, of their life, the rest of the time they can kind of hang around. It seems to be much more efficient and better uh, use of resources, let alone talking about the environmental benefits that people aren't sort of traveling into city centers at the same time every day. There's a much more sort of uh, open and uh, environmental piece to this as well, hopefully. Exactly. There are so many benefits. And actually, we talked about the environmental aspects and whether to include them in the book. And we decided there's just too much to say. But right. the environmental yeah. impact is huge if you don't have everyone commuting, but also if people don't need to live in urban centers anymore. Yeah. It's almost the opposite of the Industrial Revolution. You know, and we mm. saw that a bit during the pandemic when people could work from anywhere. They started moving out of the big cities uh, and it doesn't matter where you live. So I think there are fundamental changes that this will have on our entire society yeah. as the world hopefully adopts this way of working well exactly and i think that you and i are, are certainly front and center in terms of the cheerleader brigade in this and uh, opening people's eyes to what's possible 
and uh, what can happen with a bit of thoughts and uh, insights. And I've really appreciated your your uh, time today, Lizzie, to be able to explain a bit of this. And of course, in the uh, link in the description, we will put details to how you can pre-order the book on Amazon and beyond as well. So looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yes, it's available on Amazon now. And we'd be grateful for any pre-orders because the more people read the book, the bigger the impact we can have on the world. Exactly. Well, thank you and look forward to speaking to you again soon, Lizzie. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me, Glenn.